The following is a message by Dr. Dennis Johnson from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Please remain standing as I read our text for our meditation today from the first chapter of John's Gospel. I'll read verse 1 and then our text, verses 14 through 18, and then we will pray. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Let's pray. Father, we would ask that you would open our hearts to know you more deeply, more fully. In these moments of devotion and meditation and in all of our studies in this semester, We know that we know you only through your beloved Son, the radiance of your glory. And so we ask that by your Spirit, who breathed out the Scriptures, we would come to see more fully the glory and the grace of Jesus, which is the display of your glory and grace. And that in beholding him, we might be transformed into his image, more and more loving, true, pure, Because Christ, by his Spirit, is at work within us, transforming us to be like him as we come to know him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. On Thursdays, in our morning devotions this semester, the faculty is going to be leading you in various meditations on passages in the fourth gospel, the gospel according to John, and I get to be the lead-off batter and have some sense of responsibility to introduce you to themes in John's gospel. Where, where best to go, better to go than to the prologue, which introduces so many of these themes. Um, to get into the one theme I want to emphasize today, I'm, I'm going to remind you of an old story that's almost certainly apocryphal, It rings like a story that must have been made up to illustrate a point. Uh, At least as I heard it, uh, it was uh, set in the Middle Ages and three stone workers working in a quarry somewhere near a town uh, and someone came by to ask them what they were doing and the first fellow said, can't you see I'm digging out stones? And the second fellow said, I'm working to support my large and hungry family. And the third fellow pointed to the town in the distance and he said, I'm building a cathedral. All doing the same work, but different perspectives on what the purpose of that work was. Now, to get to that last guy's objective, building a cathedral, you have to dig out the stones and you have to eat. So the work of stone workers one and two was essential, but 
that last fellow had a bigger perspective. Let me transpose that to, to our campus community. Four weeks from now, some unwitting person comes on campus and interviews three of you and uh, says, what are you doing? And, and the first one of you says, can't you see I'm memorizing Hebrew vocabulary and verb constructs? And the second one says, I'm preparing for pastoral ministry, or I'm preparing for graduate studies to teach and serve the Lord in academics. And the third one says, I'm getting to know God. I'm getting to know God. Now, you'd better do number one, work on that Hebrew. And you'd better keep in view how you're going to use this in service to the Lord, that vocational objective, as much as the Lord's made it clear to you. Uh, But don't forget number three. I'm getting to know God. It's a central issue in the gospel, according to John. If you think just of the last evening before Jesus went to the cross, this is a big topic of conversation. First, between Jesus and his disciples. Uh, At one point in John 14, we read, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know the way to where you're going. How can we, we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. To which another disciple, Philip, responds, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, Philip? And you still do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And later that evening, as Jesus is praying for those disciples to overhear his conversation with the Father, he opens that high priestly prayer in John 17 with these words, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you since you've given authority to him over all flesh to give eternal life to those whom you've given to him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That they may know you. That's life. That's eternal life. The prologue talks about life. In a few weeks, Dr. Clark is going to take us back to the beginning of the prologue, uh, talking about the word who was with God and was God, Uh, But here at the climax of the prologue, there's a great emphasis on our coming to know God as well. We have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has seen God at any time. But the only God, who is in intimate fellowship with the Father, has interpreted, explained him. Knowing God. This is the promise of the new covenant given by God through Jeremiah. They will all know me from the least to the greatest. Forgiveness of sins, wonderful gift of the new covenant promised in Jeremiah 31. But also they will all know me from the least to the greatest. So John begins by speaking of a God who speaks the word. And then in verse 14, he talks about how God spoke his word right into our flesh and blood history, right into our flesh and blood humanity. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the unique son from the father, full of grace and truth. And that whole 
climax is laden with echoes of Moses on Mount Sinai. The word dwelt, as you Greek scholars now know, is the Greek word skenao, or at least you will soon. Uh, Rare in the New Testament, a couple other times, three other times, as I recall in Revelation, talking about God pitching his tent over his people, uh, a term that has tabernacle overtones, uh, as it's used uh, also in the Old Testament here and there. Uh, So a reminder of God dwelling right in the midst of the camp of Israel, in the tabernacle. And then, of course, in verses 16 and 17, John says, Of the fullness of Christ, we have all received grace in place of grace. For the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Two things going on there. First, the law was a display of grace. That's the first grace now displaced by a greater, fuller grace that comes in Jesus Christ. Moses spoke of Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus is going to say in Matthew chapter 5. His theologically educated critics don't believe him, but Jesus says, there is one who accuses you, it's Moses, on whom you have set your hope. If you believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Moses wrote about Jesus. Moses wrote about a bronze serpent in the wilderness, looking to that bronze serpent in faith and the promise of God meant life. Moses recorded God giving bread from heaven, manna, but Jesus is the real bread from heaven. It's all over. Moses revealing God's grace in his record of God's mercy to a stubborn people. But greater grace, grace and truth in abundance, now revealed through Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is in verse 4, there's an echo of Moses at Sinai that is sometimes unrecognized, but I think it's clearly there. The only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here the background is Exodus 32, 33, 34. Moses is on the mount receiving God's covenant document. The people at the foot of the mount are playing the harlot with the golden calf. And Moses pleads and pleads and pleads. First, Lord, don't destroy them all together, though they deserve it. And then don't abandon us. Don't just leave an angel to lead us to the land, but stay with us as stiff-necked as we are. We need you with us. And the Lord grants that request as well. And then Moses goes one step further. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And here's God's response at the end of Exodus 33. I will make my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, there is a place by me where I sh- you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until you've passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back. But my face will not be seen. More than once here, you, God is saying to Moses the very thing that John tells us in our text in chapter 1, verse 18. No one has seen God unfiltered in the radiance of his divine purity. No one could see God and survive. 
Yet, from the protection of the cleft in the rock, Moses could glimpse the back of the Lord's glory. And when Moses records when that happens in chapter 34, he doesn't describe what it looks like. Instead, he describes what he heard as the Lord declared his name. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Hebrew scholars, Rav Chesed Ve'emet, overflowing with covenant loyalty and utter reliability, full of grace and truth. That's not quite the way the Septuagint translates it, but I want to go with John's translation. I, I think it's a little better. It may be slightly paraphrased, but that's what he's trying to show us, that the great Lord who passed by Moses is this one who now dwells in our midst, full of grace and truth. This is the glory that the disciples saw and walked among, not visibly at every moment. Sometimes they saw his glory just because a bridegroom was not embarrassed, but there was plenty of wine to go to the end of the wedding feast. And his disciples saw his glory and believed in him, full of grace and truth. We can come to know God through his son. Do you want to see God's glory? as Moses longed to do? Do you want to be shown the Father as Philip asked Jesus? His fullness shines in Jesus, in the Word made flesh. And where do you meet Jesus? Well, you meet this living Word in the written Word. That's the point of the paradigms and the conjugations and the declensions and the vocabulary. That's the point of the theological exploration and the fine-tuning and the discussions. And yes, it should be even the point of our debates that we know and meet the personal, living Word of God through His written Word. Verse 18, we heard John repeat that point that the Lord made to Moses. No human being can see my face and survive, the Lord said to Moses. John says, no one has ever seen God The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Interestingly, John will return to that point in his first epistle. He will repeat, no one has ever seen God, 1 John 4.12. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. John knows we have not witnessed what he and Peter and James and Andrew and the others witnessed in person. In fact, he opens his letter by saying, we are conveying to you in our proclamation and in our writings what we have seen and heard and touched and handled, that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You will come to know God through this eyewitness and we know spirit-inspired testimony from those who saw and touched and heard and ate with Jesus of Nazareth. You will come to know the personal word through the written word. But also, as John says here in chapter 4 of his epistle, somehow, the God who cannot be seen, first of all, who was seen in Jesus the Messiah uniquely, in the incarnate one, is also seen in believers' love for one another. In fact, John led up to that point where he said, no one has seen God, but if we love one another, God dwells among us by pointing out that our love 
is completely dependent on the unique display of the Father's love in the Son. I read you John 4, 12. Now listen to verses 10 and 11 leading up to it. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, the wrath-deflecting sacrifice away from us for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Brothers and sisters, study hard, nail the paradigms, read and weigh the arguments, but never forget what it's for, that you will get to know God better. And in the studies and the late nights and the maybe heated discussions now and then, remember that the Father who sent his unique beloved Son that we might know him, still displays his divine glory in the way that his Holy Spirit teaches us to love one another. Let's pray together. Father, keep us mindful throughout this semester with all of the specific duties and distractions and responsibilities and tasks. Keep us mindful of the big goal that we might come to know you more deeply, more fully through your Son as he's displayed, this living word displayed in the written word. We know because Jesus told us that knowing you through your Son is really the life of the age to come. This is eternal life, that we might know you. Lead us to know you more deeply, more fully, and may that knowledge transform us into the image of Jesus more and more. We pray in his name. Amen. Copyright 2013, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.